Welcome back to the Dudes of Davy. It is noontime on January 6, 2023. We are excited to ring in the new year with a new pod. There's a lot going on. There's always a lot going on, but uh, there's really a lot going on. We're, we're really excited about what's happening. The, our, our heads are spinning between the NFL, the NBA, NHL, just all of it going on. Um, what, I think we could start really quickly with just how unbelievable the NBA is right now with really, you know, we talked about it last time, but all these stars are just stepping up in these huge games. It's like, is anyone playing any defense or is it just these guys are just amazing? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question, right? I think right now what we're witnessing, and I guess you could go back, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, but there have not been this many 40-point games and 50-point games uh, in the last 20, 25 years in one season. So we're obviously going to shatter that record. And, you know, I think a week or two ago, we, we spoke about Luka. We spoke about Zion. You know, this week, it's Luka again. It's Giannis's 55-point explosion. It's Laurie Markkinen. For those of you who don't know him, he recently was relocated to Utah uh, in the trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he's absolutely scorching hot this entire season, uh, certainly securing a big contract down the line and potentially a cornerstone for Danny Ainge to build around because I don't think he's going to trade him. Right, and and the big one was Donovan Mitchell scored 71 the other night, and the NBA rewarded him with a PED test the next day, which is, which is very nice of them, you know? You know, I thought, it's funny you just brought that up because I thought his reaction the next day was pretty brilliant. Uh, and we'll touch on a couple things that sort of overshadowed his uh, his effort on, on Monday night. But when he tweeted out, he's like, so the day after, get tested for PED. I guess that's about right. <laughs> right. I mean, I, to go to Donovan Mitchell, and, you know, we touched, we've touched upon this, is that he's, he's proven a lot of people wrong. He's a – he is – you know, I, I feel like last season you would have said, is he a superstar? He's not a superstar. He's a, he's a solid all-star, right? He's a superstar. I think, I think it's worth noting that in the bubble, and there's a lot of people who will tell you that bubble basketball wasn't the same, the crowd, the energy, the home court, I get it. But when you watched him battle uh, Jamal Murray uh, of the Nuggets, you, know, you, you were seeing the, the up-and-coming superstar coming out of him. But then I think the next year or two, you know, there was a lot of discussions about him not getting along with Rudy Gobert. Name the reason. I think there were several. Mm -hmm. So people were looking at his game, both offensively and especially defensively, like this guy just isn't a superstar. He doesn't give it on both ends. It's not night in and night out. And I think this this demonstrates that when you change the scenery and you go to a team with a different culture, call it a fresh start, call it a new voice, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers have a hell of a roster, but Donovan Mitchell is fully the team leader. Uh, Darius Garland is the Robin to his Batman. And I think he's, he's, he's really coming into his own, and it's great to watch. And I think it highlights even more that in basketball, and you're seeing it at the absolute highest level too, which, look, the, the, the margin of error in pro sports is so small. The difference between you know good, great, and even superstar Right. So chemistry matters. It really matters. Sometimes the system is over accentuating how good someone is or the opposite. Correct. Right. Yep. I think in this situation, you're seeing Donovan Mitchell playing with players that complement his game. He complements their game. And you're seeing how how it's working differently than it did in Utah. And that's 
sometimes look I do, do I think that would would have been the case with Michael Jordan I don't know who knows right. you know right LeBron you do see that with LeBron to a degree he's been on a couple different teams but uh, he does you know there are certain players but Donovan Mitchell for sure you're seeing a chemistry situation here and I'll add one point to this as a diehard Nick fan you know a lot of Nick fans thought he was going to New York I, I don't watch him right now and say, I can't believe we didn't trade for him because I don't know if he's the same player on the Knicks. So I can really, I think Jalen Brunson's been terrific. I think the Knicks are doing even better than we all thought they are. I think they're sitting at 21 and 18. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Donovan goes to the Knicks and has the same impact because it's a different, it's a, it is a different team, a different culture, a different chemistry, different personnel. So I think I can just sit here objectively and say, it's awesome to watch. Do I wish we had him and he was performing like this? Sure. Uh, but again, I don't think it's, I really don't think it's apples to apples, you know, when, when guys go to different teams. Exactly, right. That's why it's really hard to, you know, to play the, you know, the Monday morning quarterback. Oh, if we had him, we'd be this much better. Because it's, it, it's, it, it is the team around and then that chemistry. It's not just talent. And that's, that's what's important. And I think that's one of the big things that, you know, you saw with the San Antonio Spurs over the years, which was they didn't have, you know, the four best players in the world. I look, Tim Duncan is a top 10 player of all time. But they worked really well together. They were all totally on the same page more than any team I think I've ever seen. Agree. Um, and that, that's why it matters. So, look, the NBA is, is on fire. It's great. As we talked about, and we always talk about, how the NFL is the, uh, is the, is the big fish in the room always. You know, they're, they, they own almost every day of the week now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they ran into something – that was unprecedented um, on Monday night that, you know, we all watched uh, and were, you know, very frightened. And it, it escalated really quickly into a situation that was really uncharted territory. Yeah, j- just to paint the picture uh, for those listening, um, it was probably the first game I was going to watch with in my entire family together sitting on the couch before kickoff. You know, we live in a world of highlights and YouTube clips. But, you know, my wife and my two kids, we all sat down. Uh, obviously, my, my son had Joe Burrow in the fantasy playoffs, so we were looking to watch him. And the game quickly turned into really a life-altering event uh, for DeMar Hamlin. And, uh, and really, I think, an altering event for a lot of players on that field and families at home watching uh, because the game quickly became so insignificant. You know, win or lose, the stats, fantasy football, all of that goes out the window when you see the life of a 24-year-old potentially at great danger of no longer existing. Right, and, and as it, you know, look, it, it happened. He, he's on the ground. You, a lot of times, you, a lot of people didn't actually see him like just fall the way he did. And, you know, I, I kind of, T. Higgins caught the ball. He was tackled, okay? My first thought was, Brennan just got some points. That's awesome, right? I look away for a second. He's down on the field. I get up to do something. I come back. And he's on the ground. And look, our, our initial reaction always is, there's always guys on the ground. He'll get up. Correct. Right. And then you started to see a wall of Buffalo Bills players around him, and you couldn't really see what was happening. And you slowly started to see more and more concern on the face of these players. And then it became really real when you started to see some of them crying. Yeah, the, the players' uh, which, emotions were... Which, you know, that I think that was really jarring because... Even when you see a guy on the ground in the NFL, like it or not, there's always the feeling they'll get up, they'll be fine. 
if they do have to bring the stretcher out, right? You're like, okay, it it's possibly a neck thing. They'll still probably be okay once they get to the hospital. So as we've seen so many times, but this turned really quickly. And and I've never actually seen a players crying on the field because they've seen a lot of injuries. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think you know we commented earlier this week after the incident that um, I, obviously I watched Dennis Bird uh, on the Jets uh, get permanently injured. Uh, we many of us watched Joe Theismann uh, with his leg on Monday Night Football. Uh, but all of these events, you know, horrific and gruesome in their own way. But this one was different. This one was a situation where the players' faces and the commentators' somber tone and the really lack of information because the truth is we didn't deserve to get any information at that moment because no information should have been conveyed every ounce of focus and attention should have been spent on getting this man uh, alive and keeping him alive and i think that you know you know there'll be a lot of people out there who will comment on different parts of this right you know who did what right who did what wrong all i can tell you is as we sit here on friday morning about four days afterwards it appears like he is going to be okay, thank God. Thank God. Uh, it appears that he can move his arms and his legs and his hands. I mean, these are things that are just all minor miracles. And so, you know, when you hear about Stefan Diggs begging to get into the hospital and, and, and doing it in such a way that they finally let him to get in, and you hear about the Cincinnati fans who went down to the hospital to hold, you know, vigils, uh, I do think... You know, again, I don't know all the details, neither do you, but I do think that it appears the the general response from those on the field, those watching, uh, those people watching at home, uh, was one of you know everything changed and all everything had needed to become about him and his health and wellness, and nothing else mattered. And the truth is, nothing still does matter. And I think that's a bigger topic, which is these guys play a very violent game at all levels. Yes, they get paid a ton of money to do so. Not all of them get paid that same money. Not all of them get paid guaranteed money. And so I think that you really need to respect and appreciate what these guys go through in the off season, leading up to a season and throughout the season to perform. And yes, it's a job, but it's also something that brings an enormous amount of entertainment to hundreds of millions of people and households. And I think uh, we're, I'm just really happy that it appears like he's going to be uh, okay. And I hope he, honestly, he's like super, I want him to be 100%, right? I don't want to hear that he can't do this and he can't do that. I want to hear him have the same outcome as some of those hockey players that have gone through this and some other where you know, if he ever plays again, who cares? But if he can lead a totally normal life and obviously his foundation, which had raised 2500 prior to the game, is now up to over $8 million. Uh, which I think it would be amazing because if he can completely wake up, get out of bed, lead a normal life, have, become, you know, have a family, start a family if he wants to, uh, he might have a real calling and he's going to have a real, uh, a real anchor and war chest of people behind him to do so. No, no doubt. Well said. I think uh, you, you covered a lot of what uh, people were thinking, feeling throughout this, this situation, and it's certainly ongoing for Hamlin and his family. But it is nice to be able to do this pod this afternoon on Friday at the end of the week and know that he is cognizant to a degree of what's happening from reports and and seems to be trending in the right direction. Clearly not out of the woods, but it does ease some of that tension for, for a lot of people. And, you know, obviously everyone's praying for him. 
But this situation does has opened up a couple of things that, you know, we knew existed, but, um, you know, it was discussed at a little bit more at length. And I think we should probably get into that a little. And as we've, I keep saying this, but as we've said numerous times, no matter what the NFL does, we tend to focus on it, brush it underneath, brush it underneath the rug and move on because the product's so freaking good, right? So like after this weekend, you know, I know that we'll still be talking about DeMar Hamlin. I hope it's still really important in people's minds, but we know, we know how this goes. But while we're in this moment, I've, look, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, you know, look, we listen to different pods and we watch different things talking about, you know, the NFL's benefits for players, the pensions, disability. the disability benefits, so forth. They tend to keep getting cut. And as my colleague here, my co-host said, you know, there are plenty of players who will continue to make decent money after they retire because of who they are. But there are way more players who will not make money because of who they were. They were NFL players. Look, they'll benefit from that for the rest of their life to a degree. But if if they have issues with, you know, CTE and things like this and, and just all types back, of other neck, back injuries, everything. it's going to have an issue. They're, they're going to have an issue. And look, they do make a lot of money while they play, but it can end in an instant and you're seeing it. And it does end in an instant, not as severe as this situation, but there are plenty of instances that we don't, we don't even like think about, right? So the NFL, look, these owners make billions and billions of dollars, right? They, they have a lot of money. Yes, they own the team. They are taking some risk on that. But as we've discussed in the past, the team-specific risk of owning a team is not as great as owning some other businesses from the standpoint of you are one of 30, 32 teams in a, in a league that will continue to rise regardless of how crappy the decisions that you make are, right? So that, you know, those are some interesting pieces here that you're thinking about. Look, DeMar Hamlin, if he doesn't play in the NFL again, I'm not worried about him because from a PR standpoint, you know, the Buffalo Bills will make that right. The NFL will make that right. But there are a lot of cases that aren't like this that you're not going to hear about. Those players are not going to do as well. That's exactly right, Lon. I mean, you, you and I both know there's 52 players on every team, and there's probably five players who really get paid. And then there's another five who do, you know, well, you know, more than well enough. And then there's another 40 who don't. They're, right. you know, no one's crying for them. They're making, you know, good money and great money. But to I, play a game. To play a game. Right. But I do believe, though, that if we, on a separate pod, if we were to dive into the CBAs and the NBA and the collective bargaining agreements and the, uh, and the union in agreement in baseball, I think you would start to uncover that there appears to be a lot more guaranteed money in the sports that are not as violent and debilitating as football is. Right. And so I think that I'm sure, you know, we are definitely not the first, nor we will be the last to go into this in great detail. But I think we should do a pod on what the differences are between those collective bargaining agreements. And maybe we'll have, you know, a guest on that probably knows more than both of us combined on that topic to delve into the, you know, why is the disability and why is the pension less in football than it is in basketball or baseball, and why is there less guaranteed money if the sport is 
obviously considered more violent, more debilitating, and the career spans are significantly shorter. I think the average career span in football is four to five years. Right. So running backs are three years, I think. Right. So I think that again, you know, as 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 you said earlier, we're really happy to do this pod on Friday, where it seems like there's a, going to be a positive outcome for Demar Hamlin and his family. Uh, but it has been a it's been a I mean that Monday and Tuesday of this week for my kids, for other people's kids, for everybody's families, was like anybody who watched this live witnessed, honestly, the, the saddest part of, of football. Right. And look, we're all hitting refresh over and over, you know, waiting for new news all the time. It was definitely the first thing I did when I woke up on Tuesday morning was just to see what the status was of that. All day Tuesday. All, yeah, all day Tuesday. You know, not to, not to belabor this point too much, but, you know, to look at it from the owner's standpoint, right? Like, okay, the owners are like, this is a really dangerous sport. Um, you know, how, how open are we going to be to paying players so much money for so long after they're not playing so forth? But it would be an interesting analysis. I, I really would like to see a really a deep dive in terms of, like, how much each of these leagues actually make versus what their benefits are versus, you know, all types of things out there, right? I'd be willing to bet the NFL makes more money than any other league. By a lot, by like really by like a lot. Okay, um, the only one that's competing really is the NBA. Correct. But I do think they make a lot more money than the NBA, to be honest with you. So well, I think that has a lot to do also with the size of the arenas, right? Number of fans, uh, and the reason why the NBA is even close is the global reach of the NBA. The global reach, right? The global right. reach of the NBA, but these TV deals for are, the NFL are there's just nothing more lucrative. I mean, it's really Amazon's like you give us the crappiest games yeah, you possibly find, and there's we billions. will pay you whatever. Right, right, like, right. and you know what? We still watch. So I think, um, I think again, you know, prayers to Demar Hamlin and, and his family. Uh, continued good luck in, in his you know long journey to getting back to completely 100% normal, where he can lead a, a, a great and healthy life. And hopefully be an advocate. I think he's, God, I mean, it sounds like he was the type of person and had the character to be an advocate. And I, even though he's only 24, obviously this experience, you know, will, will change his life forever, both, you know, physically and emotionally. And I'm, and I'm calling it right now. The Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. So, so, of course, Lon texts me a couple days ago and says, listen, you know, assuming that DeMar can, you know, make it through this and, and be okay, there's not a doubt in his mind that Buffalo is winning the Super Bowl. It's hard for me to argue with. So uh, I think we'll, we'll, you know, we'll lock it in. That's your, that's your pick. Yeah, and look, we, we can talk about this a little. Look, we have a little bit more information after our, our last pod of what happened last weekend, going into this weekend. And it's sure – and look, it's not like we're saying, you know, Buffalo's going to win the Super Bowl. They're the five seed or the six seed. Like, Buffalo is, I think, the best team in the AFC, even without this situation, mm-hmm. to fuel them even further. Agree. And now the Eagles are a little banged up. Yep. Looking a little vulnerable. Need a big win over the Giants. To 49ers the are tough. I mean, I think the path is – it. we all know it's going to come down to Buffalo, Kansas City. We, we know mm-hmm. where that's heading. Uh, but I think Buffalo's got a tougher team, honestly. So as we head into Week 18, the playoff picture right now is as follows. You have New England at Buffalo. You have Baltimore at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And you have the Chargers at Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, I think if, even if Cincinnati beats the Bengals this Sunday, they end up playing them again. Uh, in the NFC, you have – this is assuming, by the way, that the Eagles beat the Giants who aren't starting – who probably won't start most of their players. Right. You'll have the Seahawks at, at San Francisco, 
They'll have the Giants at Minnesota in a rematch from that 27-24 game. And then you have Dallas playing Tampa Bay. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Dallas playing Tampa Bay. We talked about that. It's like, you know, I, I don't know what I would do there. So if, I'm, if Dallas loses that game, I think that McCarthy is fired on the field yep. as the fourth quarter ends. Yep. And Sean Payton is hired before the start of business the next day. <laughs> Sean, Sean Payton, Payton might be there watching the game. Sean Payton might actually – you know what they might do? They might actually have them swap outfits on the field. Ooh, I like that. Like yeah. the jersey swap. Instead, this is like the the, the, yeah. the, the clipboard handoff. I yeah, like it. I think Jerry Jones, I wouldn't put that past him. M- McCarthy just takes off his hat. He makes everyone go to Jerry's world, and he and he just does. He says, my jacket might be too big for you, It's Sean. almost like an ancient like passing of the... Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. I think, I think that would happen like right on the spot. I love uh, it. And obviously, I think probably the best game, you know, the best game is probably Herbert versus Lawrence. I mean, be- Chargers at Jacksonville is probably going to be the best game. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence has played in big games, so he's he's not afraid of this moment by any means. No. Uh, he, I mean, he played, what, three or three national championship games yeah. with Clemson? Like, yeah, yeah he's, he's not afraid. So I think that could be a great matchup. And then, look, obviously, I think Buffalo takes care of business with New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think San Francisco wipes the floor with Seattle. Yep. Uh, Minnesota Giants, what do you think there? I think the Giants are, are tougher team there. Do you, I did, think, do you think the Giants pull it out on the road? Yeah, I, I just think Minnesota has been exposed now. And I think they play too many close games, and that's just not going to work in the playoffs. Um, I mean, blo- blown, blown out by Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, look, there are two X factors. There is Dalvin Cook, who's, you know, Dalvin Cook goes under the radar, I think, a little bit. But he's awesome. And Justin Jefferson, clearly. But Kirk Cousins has to get him the ball. Right. So if Dalvin Cook can open up a little bit for the passing game, they could be in trouble. But I, I feel like Saquon Barkley's going to have a monster playoff game. He's been waiting for this all, a long time. Well, I, I think that – I do agree. I think the Giants-Minnesota will be one of the best watches, along with Chargers and the Jaguars. So many games in one weekend. I think it's seven games, right? Yep. So uh, I think it's three Saturday, three Sunday, one Monday. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, all the while, all these other sports are attempting to exist. Right, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean? What about us? <laughs> totally. We're good. Totally. Uh, but you can't, like, it's so hard to even compete with regular season football. Now, playoff football, it's like, you know, nobody even knows, like, their kids' names. A hundred percent. So I think, I think look, we're, we're heading into a phenomenal time of year, right? NFL playoffs are incredible. Coming up on the all-star breaks for the NBA and the NHL. Uh, which the means after the, those breaks, you know, those seasons start to really, you know, heat up, and the games, you know, mean mean more every night. Absolutely, you're going to NHL, the NHL Mayhem All Star Game down the, there. The right? Millers will be at the NHL All Star Game uh, on Sunrise uh, at the uh, Florida Live Arena. Uh, we're excited. Uh, Igor Shesterkin was elected to be the goalie, uh, you know, from the Rangers, and uh, Matthew Kachuk will be representing the Florida Panthers. It's official as of last night. And then the rest of the rosters will come out, but uh, we will be there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool event for South Florida to host. Um, you know, th- this is a this is an interesting hockey town for sure. Um, but look, we have some we have some some good fans, and it, it's nice to bring that event here. Uh, I'm sure all the players are very excited to come to South Florida. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm sure, like, what do you? I mean, I, I, besides the fact that the ice might completely melt, it'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of the NHL. It's uh, of course the 
the Lonnie Greenberg Ovi watch, which Stefan hears way too much about. This is now going to be called the Red Corner, hosted by Lonnie. Exactly. It's it's me, Capitals fans, and a few guys in Russia who are following this. But um, you know, he's he's at eight oh nine now. He went from eight hundred to almost eight ten in like unbelievable in like a couple of weeks. It's really. So he's now you know at thirty seven years old. I mean, forget about. I mean, the Gretzky numbers out there, and he's number two all time in score, but. Guy's 37. He's like number two or number three in goals in the NHL right now, which is just ridiculous. And he's not just like scoring goals. He's like top seven or eight in points in the NHL as well. He's getting assists. Like he's got like almost 100 points halfway through the season. Right now in the Metropolitan Division, and I can't believe this because, you know, I really thought the Caps were not going to be as good. But you have the Devils sitting at one. You have Carolina sitting at two. And at one point behind Carolina are the Caps and the Rangers. So... I mean, this division, which we knew was going to be very difficult, is just, you know, night in and night out, you're playing somebody who can beat you, you know, easily. But uh, Ovi is doing this without TJ Oshie, right. who's been hurt for, I think, a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing it without uh, he had a, a new goaltender, right? They have a new goaltender with uh, Darcy uh, Comfort coming over from Colorado. And he just seems like a man on a mission. And I meant to text this to you. I don't know how old his kids are. Maybe f- three and five? Something like that, six. yeah. Okay. I watched him the other night after he scored a goal. He, he fist bumped his son who was at the glass. There is something to be said, whether you're an athlete, an attorney, a financial professional, a teacher, whatever profession you are, when you have a family and you have a good and you have a, a solid like foundation at home, I do feel like you become better at your job. Or at least if nothing else, it, it, it sort of reignites you. By the way, this is male or female, it doesn't matter. But when I saw him you know, fist bump his son, I was like, that's really cool because he now knows that his son is watching him. Yeah, I, I, and I think it also adds a little bit to the longevity of some of these guys. I think it motivates them a little more to like really want their kids to not just see them, but to really internalize it and, and like really know what's happening and know and see them do what they're doing. So it's interesting. Like, Ovi's, Ovi looks like he did a 25. Obviously not as fast, but he's probably – you know, much smarter player now. Right. Uh, and right. it's like, I think he's like, look, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try. Cause he didn't take care of himself that well for, for a handful Many of years. years. I think he's now focused on obviously getting to Gretzky and cementing his legacy, which, you know, he already has an incredible legacy, but he, I think he wants his kids to see him play a few more years and just see him at a really high level. Not just some guy who like, you know, has been that used to play really well. And is like, okay, now, Completely agree, and I think that's the case with LeBron. I think that's the case with a lot more of these like star players. They they want to stay in that form, and their families are motivating them to do it, yeah. which it's, is cool. It's really it's so good for us as fans. It's so good for it's us. It's unbelievable. It's the best. Um, re- uh, one one little tidbit as well from your from your stat nerd dude of Davy. LeBron's actually closing in on. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring mark. He's probably going to get it in the next month or so. He's only about, uh, I think he's only about 400 points away. So, you know, that's that that's a month of the season. So, you know, he, I, I did look at some stats. I know Stefan hates this, but I did look at some stats. You know, he's he's probably at the same time going to move into the top four in assists all time as well, which is amazing. He's in the top 10 in like every major category except rebounds, and he's like top 35 and moving up every day so you know 
LeBron, you know, from a longevity, and like a lot of that's longevity, but it's not just longevity. He's still scoring and rebounding and assisting this year. It's like he's having a tremendous it's year. It's unbelievable. And he doesn't have much of a team around him because AD can't stay on the court, right? So it's like it's, it's remarkable. It is. Listen, I'm not a huge fan of LeBron for a whole multitude of reasons that we'll do on a separate pod. Uh, where we go, mano y mano, LeBron versus Jordan. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there, there is, a, there might be a text somewhere that I think has some pretty awesome information yeah. in there. Yeah, it's a good back and forth. It's yeah. a good back and forth. Uh, but listen, uh, watching LeBron this season, doing what he's doing, uh, it's 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 incredible. It's great for the game. Uh, it's what can I say? From a fan standpoint, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than seeing a top three, top five guy of all time performing at the level he is at this age. Right. I mean, late, I th- late 30s. I mean, I think he's had now the same number of 40-point games at this age as Jordan did. Yep. And so another, you know, if he has one more 40-point game, he'll be the leader in that category. The most 40-point games ever by a 38-year-old. Right. So and He has played almost 400 more games, regular season games, than Jordan. But Jordan's the best scorer we've ever seen. LeBron has an all-around game, correct? And it's you know it's a and look Jordan had a great all-around game, but it's it's they're different players. But still, yeah, I mean to have that many forty-point games, you're doing you're doing something. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think this was a a very good pod in terms of you know we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, obviously, Hamlin is is the number one thing that yeah. everyone's thinking about right now. I think we should close with you know continued best wishes, thoughts, and prayers to him and his family for a uh, speedy recovery to whatever he wants to do next and i think you know i I really i'm really excited to to continue to hear the positive news that comes out from the the reports absolutely Uh, all the best to him and his family yep and happy new year to everybody i think it's the last time you're allowed to say this right it's the last day of the first week of the new year until you sound like a jerk so (laughs) happy new year to uh, everybody out there and i hope everybody had a great holiday period and uh, we're looking forward to uh to an awesome and uh fulfilling 2023 Absolutely. From the dudes of Davy, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye bye.